Welcome everybody to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. It's Friday. I'm excited because I'm going to have my high school basketball show. But I do have a very special guest, and it is my longtime broadcast partner from the Defense Information School out of the United States military, Jenny Fisher, lifelong San Francisco 49ers fan. We're pretty much just going to get on and talk everything 49ers-Cowboys because really that's the only game that I'm thinking about this weekend. We do have some other games, and we do have a busy show. But I just want to remind all my listeners that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man in the Mirror podcast, and local grounds coffee company. And this is a five day a week show on Southern Sports 99.1, right after Rod Peterson and right before. Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. And I'm really just excited that we are just getting the word out about this incredible lineup of sports. And a big shout out to Rod Peterson and Mac McGee for uh, giving me a shout out. And I just appreciate the love. And I am going to go into high school basketball. I'm going to reveal my top 10 for East Alabama and top 10 for West Georgia. And we have got some amazing high school basketball teams here in the Chattahoochee Valley. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to recap some of the NBA games as well and some college basketball. And it is game day for the Columbus Rapids. Yes, the season is finally here. And the Columbus Rapids are taking on the Memphis Americans. The men and the women's team is in Memphis right now, well actually South Haven, Mississippi, at the Lander Center in the opener in the NISL. And there is a watch party at Wild Wing Cafe on Whittlesley Boulevard in Columbus. That should be a lot of fun. Well, let's go ahead and get right into the show. So we have the divisional rounds in the NFL playoffs. Eight teams left for a right to go to the conference championships next week. And then in three weeks, go to the Super Bowl in Arizona, being held on February the 12th. And there are some intriguing Super Bowl matchups out there. I actually think right now, if all the favorites won, I think it's going to be Chiefs and 49ers. I actually think if the 49ers do play the Eagles in Philly, the 49ers might be a slight favorite because of their playoff experience and because of Kyle Shanahan's in-game experience and as an offensive play caller. But they have got to get past the Dallas Cowboys. I actually think the Cowboys is a much tougher matchup for the 49ers. They are favored by four. Jenny's going to be on the show later, and we're going to break down this game. But Saturday, kicking things off in the Kansas City Chiefs, which is... The line has gone up. The Kansas City Chiefs are a nine-point favorite over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Kansas City Chiefs, we know what Andy Reid is capable of when he comes off a bye, and it is in Arrowhead Stadium. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got into the playoffs because of the incompetency of the Tennessee Titans, free-falling to end the regular season. And the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to come back from that 27 to nothing deficit over the Los Angeles Chargers. Trevor Lawrence, he's shown that he is a capable quarterback, and I'm very impressed with what Doug Peterson has done to turn this thing around. Now, Jacksonville is trying to reach the AFC Championship for the first time since 2018. Y'all remember Saxonville? That was a great team, and they got to the conference championship with Blake Bortles. I think that if they get a good team around Trevor Lawrence, he is definitely going to be their franchise quarterback. You got a divisional game Saturday night, the New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles beat the Giants twice in the regular season. You go all the way back to December the 11th when the Eagles beat them at home 48-22. And that was when... The Eagles were at their strength. Jalen Hurts was healthy. He had weapons. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, he caught a touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. Miles Sanders, 
17 carries, 144 yards, and two touchdowns. And Daniel Jones didn't really get the run game going. The New York Giants, I don't see in the box score. Saquon Barkley was limited. Nine carries for 28 yards. The key to this game is if the Eagles' defense can stop Saquon Barkley, I think the Eagles win this game. But you also got to remember, these two teams play the final regular game of the season, and it was a must-win game for the Eagles to try to get the number one seed. And the Giants played them close, 22-16. Can the Giants make this a game? We'll see. All right, Sunday, the Bengals and Bills. It's a rematch from that Monday night game. Cincinnati was up 7-3 when the DeMar Hamlin incident happened, and they called the game. But the Bills are playing at home. It is a matchup between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I'm looking forward to this game. I'm not really going to get into this game that much. Buffalo is favored by five and a half. And if, let's say the Kansas City Chiefs win on Saturday, if the Bengals win, it's going to be a rematch of the AFC Championship from last year, and it will be at Arrowhead Stadium. If Buffalo wins, because that game was canceled, they did not award home field advantage to the Kansas City Chiefs. That is going to be a neutral site game in Atlanta, and tickets are already on sale. I know that a lot of people in Atlanta don't have ties to Buffalo or Kansas City. Geographically, it's the same distance for Chiefs and Bills fans to travel to Atlanta, but that would be amazing for the economy in Atlanta. I think this line hasn't really moved. It's gone down to three and a half. It's back up to four. The 49ers and the Cowboys. It is the final game of the divisional round. Ian played at Levi Stadium, and I think that Brock Purdy has proven that he does not play like a rookie quarterback. Dak Prescott, the key stat is, if Dak Prescott throws the ball less than 30 times, the Cowboys are going to win this game. The Cowboys have to run the football with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Dak Prescott does not go back-to-back 300-yard passing games. The 49ers would have to make major mistakes in this game in order for them to lose. I think on paper, the 49ers can win this game if they just play their style of game. Running the football, physical defense, letting Brock Purdy get out of the pocket to make plays. Oh, this is going to be a great matchup. NBA last night, we had a rematch of the NBA Finals in the Boston Celtics. Able to get the victory over the Golden State Warriors, 121-118 in overtime. I just think the Celtics' year, they're due. They're due for a championship. They have the best record in the NBA, 34-12. The question is, is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are all-stars, can they play like superstars? You know that Al Horford's going to show up. He is the savvy veteran. You know when they have a healthy Robert Williams that they are a very hard team to beat. You know they have a lot of great pieces. But I just want to see how the Celtics go up against a healthy Brooklyn or a healthy Milwaukee. Remember, last year in the playoffs, Chris Middleton was out for Milwaukee. That game seven could have went either way. But Milwaukee had a shot at closing it out, and they could not get the job done. We have a big slate of college basketball games this weekend, and I'm just going to preview some of the top 25. I mean, I just love college basketball. I love how, and we do have some top 25 matchups, to include TCU taking on Kansas, you have UCLA taking on Arizona, and you have Gonzaga taking on the University of Pacific. I know that that's out of Stockton, right where uh, Jenny Fisher's uh, hometown is is of Modesto, pretty close to Modesto, but a huge upset, huge, I'm talking huge upset in the WCC as Gonzaga loses a conference home game to Loyola Marymount, that was absolutely shocking, and then a big shout out to Kennesaw State, getting a big road victory over Stetson, calling it, I think this is the year Kennesaw State makes it to the NCAA tournament. I'll try to cover Kennesaw State, give them some love. I'm originally from up there. I lived in Ackworth. I lived about 10 minutes from the campus of Kennesaw State. It's always been a dream of mine for Kennesaw State to make it to the NCAA tournament. 
I know I've mentioned it many times on this show that I was in attendance when Kennesaw State had the biggest upset in school history beating Georgia Tech at the Convocation Center. We have some college football news as the number one cornerback in all of the country. Cormani McClain has flipped to Colorado, and now Colorado will have a cornerback tandem of Cormani McClain and Travis Hunter. Good luck throwing on to those corners. Deion Sanders was a corner, so it would be fitting that he would get the best corners in the country to come to Colorado. I think Colorado's going to be competitive. I think in the first season, they're going to at least get six or seven wins. That's the power of Dion. Dion is an ultimate recruiter. The big question is, is Dion an X's and O's guy? As long as he has a pretty good staff, I think that Dion is going to be fine. All right, I think it's about that time. The moment you've all been waiting for, well, before I get Jenny Fisher on, I'm going to reveal my top 10 high school basketball teams in East Alabama and the top 10 high school basketball teams in West Georgia. Now, a disclaimer, I only selected the boys' basketball teams. When we get into playoff times, I promise you, I will get into girls' basketball. It is hard when I'm doing my research on max preps to actually look up all the girls' teams. If you look at some of the girls' teams, they're doing very well as well. I just want to make sure they get some love on this show as well. But let's start with East Alabama. I got number one, still undefeated, the Valley Rams, 20-0. You know, I'm trying to get head coach Marshawn Harper on the show. He actually said that he'd come on the show, and I would love to get him on to talk about what it means for the Valley Rams and their talented point guard, Cam Dooley. I remember him when he played for the football team. Valley gets the win over Hanley, 75-63. They are home this weekend against Beauregard, and then next week it is a big rivalry game against the Lynette Panthers. All right, number two, I got the Auburn Tigers. Auburn basketball with a 19-2 record. What a season so far for the Auburn Tigers. Still got some very interesting games coming up on the schedule for the Auburn Tigers. Number three, I had to put them number three because the Central Red Devils having an amazing season with a 13-8 record, 1-1 in region play. You know, Central beat Spencer. They had a very good game beating Opelika. They beat Russell County. They lose to Auburn by one point. And they lose to Hewitt Trustful. There's no shame in that. They take on Webster County. It's a non-region game. But they will take on Auburn. And then they got Leah Montgomery. Central having a great season. All right, number four is Lee Scott Academy. You know, Lee Scott Academy's only loss was to St. Ampicelli. Lee Scott having a great season for basketball. And they look good. 20-1, and 7-0 in region play. They beat Glenwood. They uh, were able to beat Springwood last night. So Lee Scott Academy, I got them at number four. Number five, I got Glenwood. You know the Glenwood Gators, which I had the opportunity to get to meet head coach Dusty Purdue at the Border Wars. The Glenwood Gators are 15-7. and seven. They are 6-2 and two in region play, and they had a big game Last night, the boys and the girls, they took on Macon East, and they are riding a two-game win streak. They had a heartbreaker to Southland Academy, 55-54, to last week. And then they're taking on Atuga Academy this Friday. So, yeah, Glenwood, I got it number five. Number six, I got Russell County. Big win over Park Crossing. The Russell County Warriors, I love this basketball team. They've got an outstanding player in Kwame Tynes-Davis who had a major impact last year on the Russell County basketball team when I was the PA announcer. Russell County is 12-8 on the season, 2-1 in area play, huge win over Park Crossing. Let's see how they do as their next game, taking on Eufaula. They still got to take on Pike Road. They still got to take on Smith Station. They got some big games coming up. I got Russell County in number six. Number seven, the Lafayette Bulldogs. I know they play in 2A, but Lafayette has a very impressive record. 
and they're looking pretty good. I added Notasaga here on the top 10 list. And then going down the list, I got Smith Station and I got Springwood. Smith Station is always a competitive team. Could have put Ufala on here. Springwood playing in the AISA. They did lose to Lee Scott Academy, but I think Springwood's had a pretty good season. All right, this is where I pretty much did my research in West Georgia because I've reached out to some of the high schools. I even talked to Coach Horton at Shaw and said, hey, if you ever need a PA announcer, I'm your guy. Shaw High School is about 10 minutes from my house. I would love to PA announce for big games for the Shaw Raiders. Well, they actually make my top 10 list, but I'll go ahead and review. I'll reveal that in a minute. Number one, I got Northside. Why did I put Northside number one and not Spencer or not St. Ampicelli? Well, Northside beat Spencer on a buzzer beater in the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament. 10-3 overall. They got a big region game against McIntosh this Friday, and then they'll take on Hardaway on Saturday. Number two, the Spencer Greenway, 13-4 overall with a 6-0 record in region play. They beat Macon Central 89-67 on, on Tuesday, and then they get ready to take on Ace Charter this weekend. Number three, the St. Ampicelli Vikings. Head coach Corey Black has got a great basketball team with a 12-4 record, 2-0 in region play. They're taking on Westfield School this Friday, after beating Heritage, and St. Apicelli has taken on some big programs in the GHSAA to include Sandy Creek and Hiram, and St. Apicelli has got a very special player, Cam Ellis. He's really balling out, the quarterback from the St. Apicelli Vikings football team. Number four, the LaGrange Grangers with a 14-3 record, 5-1 in region play, knocking off their big Crosstown rival, Troop County, 63-52 on Tuesday night. Like I said, a lot of great games on Tuesday nights. And as much as I would love to PA announce for these games and do play-by-play -play for these games, I've got the live show at Ivy for the Rapids. So there is a conflict of interest there. But LaGrange is going to be at home for senior night this weekend, taking on North Clayton. All right, number five, just got to get a, give a little bit of love to the single-A school down there in Chattahoochee County. That's Chatco. Chatco is 13-4 overall and 6-2 in region play. Number six, I got the Manchester Blue Devils. 13-2 overall, 2-1 in region play. I'd like to see how Chatco and Manchester do well in the single-A playoffs. Number seven, don't be fooled by their record. The Columbus Blue Devils are a great team. 10-8 overall, 1-2 in region play. And I know that Columbus... They have a lot of history. Sam Mitchell played for the Columbus Blue Devils. And some notable alumni that went to Columbus High School, including Josh Lester, pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, Columbus Rapids midfielder Megan Byers, and a contestant on The Bachelor. What? Charity Lawson. The Bachelor airs on ABC this Monday night. I am rooting for Charity Lawson. And if I find out that she was a cheerleader or played sports at Columbus High, she's coming on the podcast. All right, number eight, Brookstone, 11-8, and eight, and they are 3-0 and oh in region play, and they have got to play St. Ampicelli. It's not going to be called the Battle for the Brucelli Jug, but on January the 24th, get ready, St. Ampicelli and Brookstone. It doesn't get any better than that. All right, I'm going to include Hardaway on here because they made the playoffs last year. Still a great team, 8-12 and 12 on the season. 0-4 in region play, and they do take on Northside this weekend. And then the Shaw Raiders, head coach Christopher Horton, the former Columbus State Cougar, is coaching up the Shaw Raiders. They are 2-1 in region play, 7-13 overall. Remember, this is a team that made the playoffs last year. They just have a tough schedule, and they did beat Harris County on Tuesday, and they got to take on 12-5 Westover. I will try to cover more high school basketball as we get closer to the playoffs. But on Fridays, I want to give some love to some of these high school basketball teams here in the Chattahoochee Valley, and that's really what I'm all about. All right, you know what? I think it's about that time to bring on Jenny Fisher. She was my broadcasting partner at the Defense Information School. She was a, if you're familiar with MOSs, she was a... 46 Romeo, MOS stands for Military Occupational Specialty, 
and a 46 Romeo is a combat correspondent. So I spent eight years in what's called a mobile public affairs detachment. And so that is part of the broadcasting experience that I've actually brought into the civilian world, being a military broadcaster. And I wrote some sports articles. We had a WNBA player that actually went on to be an officer in the Georgia Army National Guard. I actually wrote a sports article on her. We had an annual softball tournament that we have with the state headquarters, and I covered that as a sports article. I mean, I try to keep it to sports, but being a military broadcaster, I always wanted to include everything else. And Jenny Fisher did just an amazing job as a military broadcaster, including some deployments. And uh, I deployed as well. So we're going to go and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Jenny Fisher here on the show. And we are going to talk about that rivalry between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. It's fascinating. And it has already been revisited as they will face off at each other this Sunday in the divisional round. Back with Jenny. Welcome back to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I am so excited about my next guest because she's been on the show before in the early days of the Sports Beat. It's my Denfo's colleague, lifelong San Francisco 49ers fan. Please welcome to the show, Jenny Fisher. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. Jenny, and you know why I got you back on the show. The 49ers oh, yeah. are about to play the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah. And we are going to talk up this game. This is the ninth time that these two historic franchises have faced off in the playoffs. Now, I know before we were born, the Cowboys played the 49ers three times in the early 1970s. And unfortunately, the Cowboys won all three games. Correct. Correct. Yeah, 1970s. Until 19, uh, what is it, 82? Is that where you're going? 82, Yes. We got to talk about that game because I don't remember that game. I just remember watching highlights, the catch, Dwight Clark, the 49ers win at Candlestick 28 to 27. A lot of people don't realize that if Eric Wright doesn't make a huge defensive stop because there were still seconds left on the clock, the Cowboys could have drove down the field and kicked a game-winning field goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then they went on to uh win their win their first Super Bowl. That's the old the Cincinnati days of, Bengals. Yeah, the old Montana Bill Walsh dynasty. That's where it all began. So it's great to come full circle. Now remember, Ken Anderson was the quarterback for Cincinnati. John Burt makes a huge defensive stop on fourth down. The 49ers beat the Bengals 26 to 21, and the dynasty started. Now, I remember, Jenny, the first game that I watched, because I really don't remember the 85 Super Bowl when the 49ers played the Dolphins. You probably do. The one that I really paid attention to was the second game against the Cincinnati Bengals when Montana to Taylor in the back of the end zone, when Montana was telling Tom Rathman, hey, look, there's John Candy in the stands. Yep, yep. Now, I don't remember the game. I think I was probably nine years old. I remember it was huge. My dad had made us some very fancy newspaper pom-poms. So that is when I became a fan. Um, I can't remember the the game per se, but I knew I was a Niners fan. <laughs> I have been a lifelong 49ers fan as well, Jenny. And then let's go to the early 90s. This is where the rivalry between the 49ers and Cowboys facing off in three straight NFC championship games. 1992, that was the last time the Cowboys won a road playoff game. You know, the Cowboys were able to beat the Buccaneers on Monday night. And it's been a long time, and that was when Jimmy Johnson said, how about them Cowboys? Oh, and I cringe till this day because that really hurt, especially since I thought my 14-2 and 49ers, led by Steve Young, he was the MVP of the league. Oh. I thought that the dynasty has been carried on from Joe Montana to Steve Young. And I was heartbroken that the Cowboys beat the 49ers 30 to 20 in the NFC championship in a soggy candlestick. And then the Cowboys went on to destroy the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl, creating their own little dynasty in the 1990s. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just fuel to the fire for this rivalry that we've got going, you know, generational rivalry. Um, it's a great rivalry. It's always pretty clean. So I love it. Well, let's fast forward to 
1993. I actually did not think the 49ers had a chance against the Cowboys. The Cowboys beat the Niners 38 to 21 in the NFC Championship. The 49ers, they had a 10 and 6 season. I mean, they had a terrible regular season. By luck, they destroyed the 11 and 5 Giants. That game was at the stick. I remember Ricky Waters had five rushing touchdowns. They beat the Giants 44 to 6. A lot of people wanted the Cowboys and Giants in the NFC Championship that year. They got the 49ers Cowboys. You remember on the other side, it was Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC Championship? How excited yeah, would yeah. that have been if it was 49ers Chiefs with Joe Montana coming back to face his former See, team? See, that's, you know what? Every time I think of the Chiefs, I always think about Joe Montana going over to the Chiefs. That was a huge, uh, for me, it was like, I was still so emotionally attached to Joe Montana as a 49er. I didn't know what else, what else it could look like. So yeah, that would have been awesome. And I was kind of hoping to see that play out. All right, Jenny, I'm strolling down memory lane. Now I'm talking sophomore year in high school. Let's stroll down to 1994, really the golden age of hip hop, but 1994. <laughs> oh, you know, Snoop Dogg and you know, yeah. 1994. It's, it's the nine Let's go back. Yep. Let's go back to the nine quad. Back when I was a sophomore in high school, you were probably a sophomore in high school too. Yeah, we graduated in '97, right? Correct. I yep, same same. All right. So, and you were uh, you know, chilling in Modesto, California. I was in Melpitas, California. 1994, the 49ers were completely fed up that they lost to the Dallas Cowboys two straight years in the NFC Championship game. So, guess what they did? They went out and got players on defense. Ken Norton Jr., Gary Plummer, Deion Sanders, Richard Dent, Ricky Jackson. They weren't playing. The San Francisco 49ers wanted to get over the hump and finally beat the Cowboys. And I really thought that NFC Championship game that they were going to do it because guess what? The Cowboys didn't have Jimmy Johnson anymore. They had Barry Switzer, and that made a huge difference. And the 49ers. Yeah, it was totally they, different oh. look at look at the totally different look at, at owning a team and things like that yeah well remember they they jumped out to that 28 to nothing lead on dallas yeah and huge and, and they finally win a super bowl I, jenny i was i was excited beating the chargers in the super bowl they finally get over the hump and really for three years these two teams were the two best teams in the national football league yeah, and the head coach, Seifert, now he came out after Walsh, yeah? Yes. Yeah, so I, I remember his uh, kind of coaching style was a little bit different. And again, it was one of those things where I had only n known one makeup of the of the 49ers. So it was really new to me to see, you know, like a lot of the changes and stuff. And I realized that NFL was such a bigger, bigger game than the 49ers. I don't think I had ever looked at it. Um, uh, you know, across the spectrum under the whole umbrella of things. So it's always interesting to see when you get a new head coach in and they have a different style of things, um, how, how much that can impact, you know, the, the numbers on the scoreboard. Well, and of course the Cowboys have had some down years. The 49ers have had some down years. There were some times where the Cowboys were good and the 49ers were good in different years, but now let's fast forward to, Last year and this year, they face each other in the playoffs back-to-back -back years. Is this rivalry renewed a little bit? Oh, yes, it is. I mean, and so for, I, I can only speak as a 49er fan, but, you know, after seeing the injuries we had early on in the season and, uh, you know, Purdy just having to jump in there and, you know, pull this team together and act like a more mature player – than the, the actual years he is. I mean, it's just, you're pumped up. And then to bring up that old rivalry, yes, because we have such a storied past, it is so exciting to be here. And the Cowboys just clobbered the Buccaneers. So it's exciting on both ends. And now as an adult, uh, a little bit older, I can enjoy like a good game. And that's really what I want to see. Of course, I want the Niners to win, but I want to see two great games, two great teams on the field. Jenny, you know I'm a sports whiz. The last time the 49ers lost in the divisional round of the playoffs was 2002. Steve Mariucci was the head coach. They lost wow. to the original Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. Did you know their last five playoff appearances, the 49ers have at least 
made it to the NFC Championship. Wow, I did not know that. God, that's like 20 years. 20 years. Right Jeez. out of college, I remember the dog days of the 49ers. It was it was yeah. painful. Absolutely painful. 2004, Dennis Erickson, 2-14. and 14. Alex Smith, the Mike Nolan years, 4-12. and 12. Oh, hey, How about right after Jim Harbaugh leaving, which was also a gut punch, Jim Tomsula and Chip Kelly, what were the ownership thinking? I mean, they they really just whiffed on those two coaches. Gosh, and they just, I mean, it was dragging. I remember you would just be like, oh, no, what are we getting into this year? But in my opinion, Kyle Shanahan, he's taken over since 2017. He's led the 49ers to two NFC Championship games. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's been his guy, and I, I'm a big Jimmy G fan. And I Always wish a Jimmy he, G fan. Absolutely. I wish he has a speedy recovery. And I don't know what they're going to do with Trey Lance. But Brock Purdy, coming out of nowhere, Mr. Irrelevant, the last player selected in the NFL draft. And the 49ers, they are the healthiest right now. And they also are coming into this game against the Cowboys with an extra couple days to prepare. They are very confident. And I feel if the Cowboys... If the 49ers play their game, they should have no problem beating the Dallas Cowboys. Yep, I think I think you're exactly right. And you know what I like about Shanahan is that he has total trust and confidence in Purdy. And um, I read somewhere that McCaffrey was saying that he, that Purdy helped him understand McC uh, Shanahan's playbook better. So that he could make those plays. So he's not only, uh, you know, leading as a quarterback, he's leading as a, as a team player. He's helping his teammates out. He's connecting those dots for Shanahan, which I think it, you are the liaison between what the coach wants and the plays on the field. And man, this kid is doing it. All right, let's go back to the beginning of the season. The 49ers get blown out by the Kansas city chiefs and they Ooh. are three and four. Now, Christian McCaffrey, who's been a difference maker, now he didn't start that game, but then every single game after that, the 49ers have won 11 straight, and Christian McCaffrey has been the focal point on offense. And it, they don't just have Christian McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell's back healthy. They got a healthy Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, and, you know, you can't forget about Kyle Juszczyk, the best fullback in the league. There are weapons at Kyle Shanahan's arsenal, and Brock Purdy has just enough skill to actually make everything work. He's a little bit more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just that the speculation that no rookie quarterback has ever won the Super Bowl or even reached the Super Bowl, that's on the back of everybody's minds, and I, I can understand why a lot of people – I almost feel like I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not, it's not a bad thing. A lot of people are picking the Cowboys because they feel that Dak Prescott has the most experience out of all the quarterbacks that are remaining. Yeah, and Dak Prescott has, has, has spoken with a lot of confidence as well. He's excited about the game, but he knows that the Niners are a good team. So, again, I think Purdy has played as that kind of glue that, that a strong team needs. And, and when the Niners needed him, he stepped up. And I think, you know, if if every, if all the other quarterbacks were healthy, we'd still be going with Purdy this weekend, to be fair. Jenny, I actually go back and I watched that game almost a year ago in Dallas where the 49ers were up 23-7, to seven, and they actually look like a different team this year. And look, I think the Cowboys are not as good as that team last year. They don't have Amari Cooper, a little banged up on the offensive line. Maybe they got some improvement. I know Micah Parsons has a little bit more experience being a second-year player. But I think the 49ers have upgraded at running back with Christian McCaffrey. You got a more mobile quarterback in Brock Purdy. And you also have Mike Blaklinchy, who was not playing in that game against Dallas. And the 49ers, if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get hurt, there's a chance the 49ers could have put that game away a lot quicker, and it doesn't come down to Dak Prescott trying to spike it. He doesn't have time left on the clock. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, now, let's talk about the kicker, though. Uh, what's his name? Brett Maurer. Yes, yes. Um, and then we've got uh, Robbie Gould. That's who I'm talking about. Now, he's been with the Niners since what? I want to say he's been Niners. with the Niners since you, – you know, the, their kicker before Robbie Gould was, was David Akers. I, I want to say he was there right after – yeah, he's been with the Niners since 2016. So, you know, he was there from the beginning of the Kyle Shanahan era. And right. he has not missed a field goal in the postseason I'm not, I'm not trying to jinx him i mean you know no but his his consistency is key and i think you know that's just another player that that has shown that they are consistent they show up for the game and they continue to put the numbers on the board um so these are all the little pieces of the puzzle putting this great team together going into the postseason now i'm not trying to knock the cowboys because the cowboys have had a good season but I was looking at their record. I mean, they did not show up against the Washington Commanders the final game of the season. They barely beat the Titans. I mean, the Titans gave up on the season. They lost to the Jaguars when they were up 27 to 10. I mean, there are some games, if the Cowboys would have had a different outcome, they'd probably be the number one seed right now. But the Cowboys have to play this game on the road. They are a lot slower team on grass. I mean, I'm telling you, Jenny, the Cowboys are a different team at home because they are fast on that turf. Micah Parsons going sideline to sideline on that turf. It's a different story. I think the Cowboys have to play a perfect game to get the victory. I don't see a blowout, but there is a scenario where the 49ers, if they play a perfect game, the 49ers could blow them out, but they have to play a perfect game. though. Right. Right. Um, but the other thing is, when was the last time you saw, again, you're coming off a short week, the Niners have an extra day or two of rest. Extra two days of rest, exactly. They did not have to travel. Yeah. The Cowboys going from Tampa had to go back to Dallas, and then they're going into San Francisco. Remember, the Cowboys played Monday night, and the 49ers played on Saturday, Saturday. afternoon. Right. So – so there's that's another handic- handicap. But these are all things that make me get I mean, I get a little nervous. I don't I'm want nervous too. big heads. I don't want big heads. I don't want big egos. I mean, the, I think the key to this is uh, a cohesive team working together, speaking the same language, you know? And I think it's the calmness of that quarterback that's really going to set the tone for this game. And I and again, I keep going back to to purdy because he has been that voice for someone so young um and to just be put in the spotlight like that he is he's pumped but he's calm and you know he says the right things on and off the field so i mean i'm excited brock purdy is playing like he is a 10-year veteran he's got this exactly yes he the decision making when he rolls out of the side of the pocket I know that, don't get me wrong, Jenny, the Dallas Cowboys is the best defense he will face so far. Micah Parsons could get a couple sacks in this game. He's it's no how, joke. He's no joke. Yeah. yeah. And Parsons, it's how he yeah. responds. He's going to go after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to go after the quarterback. Brock Purdy is going to be sacked in this game. It's how he responds. Brock Purdy might even throw a couple of picks, but can the 49ers defense stop the run game? Let's say the Cowboys get a big stop and the 49ers fail to score. Can the 49ers defense respond like on a short field? Can they hold the Cowboys to field goals? That red zone defense. And really, I don't trust the Cowboys kicker. I mean, they're letting Brett Maurer go after missing four extra points. They're le- they're letting him actually play in the game. I know. Let me rephrase my qu- like my statement. I was like, oh, yeah, they let him go. No, they're letting him play in the I game. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know something I don't? <laughs> they're letting him move forward. Pass, go, collect, collect $200. Yeah. They're letting him go. Um, They're letting him go in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, again, goes back to consistency, right? Who, where are you putting your players, and what do you, you know? And I, and again, Purdy will have a target on his back. I mean, 
if it could have been any team they're going up against this weekend, you don't get that many wins in a row and not have a target on your back. You just don't. Well, Jenny, one thing that actually comes to mind, we will know the outcome of that Giants Eagles game because that's going to take place on Saturday. So when they play this game, they will know whether or not that NFC championship game is going to be in Philly or they will get to host the NFC championship game. Do you think that makes a big difference if the Johnny pull off the upset against the Eagles? Oh, yeah. I think that makes a huge difference. I mean, you talk weather alone. And I actually think, and this this is my opinion, because the Eagles are banged up. I don't know if Lane Johnson's going to play. Jalen Hurts is unproven. And really, having that first round by the number one seed, the Eagles are going to be a little bit rusty, and they got an unproven coach. I think the winner of this game on Sunday between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Whoa, you heard it here, folks. First, folks. No, I just don't trust the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think they were hot in the beginning of the season. They got banged up. They regressed a little bit. And I'm not 100% sure that Jalen Hurts is the guy. Yeah, but it's good. You know, going back to the fact that they're playing on Saturday, I mean, that's one more thing that's going to be in the back of your head if you're if you're Kyle Shanahan, right? Yes. How are you playing to win this game, game while looking forward? Now, you got to stay in the game that you're in, but you also have to be looking forward to that next game in terms of health, in terms of location. You know, all of those things start factoring in. I just cannot wait till Sunday. I mean, I'm going to be in front of the TV on pins and needles watching every single play. I mean, it's the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this is. I know. I'm super excited. This is what it's all about. I mean, I know the 49ers have other rivals. I mean, don't get me wrong. That playoff game against the Seahawks was big, too, because that was the first time they were playing the Seahawks in the playoffs since the Richard Sherman tip. But the Seahawks yeah, are not the Seahawks. Put, it's always it's always good to put the Seahawks down. That just feels good in oh, the soul. Oh, it, it felt great, <laughs> but it was a different it was a different feeling because the Seahawks didn't have the Legion of Boom. They didn't have Russell Wilson. Now that first half, the Seahawks took the 17-16 lead. I really was nervous. And the 49ers played like hot garbage, and they only were down by one at the first half. I mean, they were really shaky. I mean, they got they got rid of the jitters. I'm hoping that Brock Purdy just can just come out. And just play loose, play, play like his you, game, play his just game. Play his game. Yes. If he plays his think game, I think they, I think they can win. I totally agree. And then, and, and, and you know what? And again, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be attitude uh, and it's going to be keeping your head on your shoulders and just, you know, staring down the line, you know, find those play one play at a time and, and, you know, and let the coaching staff deal with what's up ahead. But I tell you, Jenny, I think it's great, you know, having you on the show when the 49ers are in the playoffs. I definitely want to have you back on if they reach the NFC Championship, if they reach the Super Bowl. Oh, man, it's been great just talking 49er football with you, Jenny. Oh, I love it. And especially like a longtime rivalry like this. It's just fun. It brings up your childhood. I mean, you know. We grew up on this stuff, and, you know, for it to come full, full circle from the catch, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, remember, remember we, we had to experience it three times. Remember the catch two in 98 with T.O. and then the catch three with Vernon Davis. Oh, see, now you're bringing up names, man. We've got such a collection of great players in the 49ers history. Like, we could go on and on and on. But before we close, I do want to talk about the legacy that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch has really set the tone for this 49ers organization, because I think this is going to be sustainable, especially if Brock Purdy is the guy, because he is going to be on a rookie contract and they could even keep Trey Lance and have them. Trey Lance could be a backup and then they can if one of them gets injured, Trey Lance could come in because there's some things that Trey Lance does well. He just is not accurate with the football like Brock Purdy is. But this and again, team, also yeah. super young. He's also super young. Super and, young. But you got to lock and, up Nick Bosa. They've already locked up Dre Greenlaw. Locking up Bosa's Fred Bosa's got to stay. Keep that Bosa's got to stay. Keep that core of the defense. I know that they like to pick on DeAndre Lenore, but I'm telling you, he's going to continue to improve as a corner. And guess what, Ginny? They're going to get Emmanuel Mosley back next year. You know, you met a lot of people don't realize he was injured, tore his ACL out for the season. 
Ambry Thomas Oof. had a big pick against the Rams. I mean, they got some players that are not even playing. They're going to be a part of this franchise for years to come. Yeah, and if, especially when they're young, you know, you train them to your playbook, so they own that playbook, and it's their playbook, you know? So, like, I I read somewhere that even if they wanted, let's say, I would think it would be a, a silly move, but if they wanted to trade Lance, I mean, it might end up cost, costing them at this point. So why not keep him, you know, get him to, to play the ball that you know he can play? He's more than capable. He's just got to catch up, you know, you know, being able to play at the NFL level. All right. Do you think that defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan's having about four head coaching interviews this week? Is that a distraction? Ooh, that's the kind of stuff that makes me go, let's, you know, check the egos at the door, guys. Let's, you know, focus on the game, focus on what's happening in that locker room and how you're preparing for the game. You can do all the interviews you want, but let's get through the season. Let's get these wins down. One or two, yeah, that's fine. But you don't need to be blowing everybody up because that's what, you know, talk will get you in trouble. <laughs> well, they're a machine. So every time, like, a head coach or an assistant coach leaves, they get a compensatory pick. Like Mike McDaniel left. They got a compensatory pick. And every time, like, a free agent leaves, they get a compensatory pick. You would think the 49ers don't have any draft picks in 2023. Because they, when they traded to get up to move to get Trey Lance, they gave away their first-round pick. They gave away mm -hmm. their second, third, and fourth-rounder to Carolina for Christian McCaffrey. But they do have some picks because a lot of their assistant coaches and a lot of free agents have left, like Jeff Wilson Jr. left for the Dolphins. So they get a compensatory pick. So Oh, you know, there you could, go. They could still build, and I think that there's still some areas that the 49ers could improve. I think they can improve a little bit on the offensive line, although I love Aaron Banks. I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl guard in the future. Trent Williams, the best offensive tackle in football. I, that, that offensive line for the 49ers is very underrated. Yeah, but but you're right. As long as you keep working on your game and building that that roster, you never stop building a roster, I don't think. you know, You don't just sit on your heels and be like, yep, we got it. And Shanahan said this in an interview, I think right after Saturday's game, he said, I just look at the tapes and I coach to the tapes. And, and, you know, McCaffrey said it himself, you know, you're always playing against the tape. So he's finding those things. And, you know, you are always tweaking. You are always looking to build the roster, build the plays and keep moving forward. Never sit back on your heels. And that's what they're doing. They're not sitting back on their heels. Jenny, as always, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And one more tidbit before I let you go. This is not football related. The Sacramento Kings beat the Lakers last night at the Crypto Arena, 116-111. to 111. How does that make you feel that the Kings are dominating the Lakers and they are actually in third place in the Western Conference? I'm always about the NorCal uh, athletics, all right? I think that that's great. Uh, the Lakers always seem to get a little big for their britches. And so, you know, you can tug them down a little bit. Let's do that. Uh, go good win. Good win. And Jenny being a resident from Northern California, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm allowed to jump back and forth between the golden state warriors and the Sacramento Kings. You are, you are allowed as, as a resident, you are allowed. <laughs> Look, grew up in the San Francisco Bay area. So I was a warriors fan. Get this. I moved to Sacramento in 1997. I lived there from 97 to 2005. That was the golden age of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, that was, yeah. And that was fun because that's, you know, I was going to school up at Chico State during that time. And so still, like, I'm still in the same area, still watching the same teams. And, and they were great. Well, they are fun. We might have some firsts in uh, Sacramento. The Sacramento Kings could make the playoffs for the first time since 2006 and get this Sacramento state could make the NCAA tournament. That would be awesome. And you being from Modesto, are you used to seeing uh I know down in Stockton, they have a, a school called the university of Pacific and we call them UOP, but mm -hmm. uh, they, they had a pretty decent run in the early two thousands. Yeah. You know what? And I like that's, you know, that because California is unique in the sense that, uh, the weather is always very mild, so you could be playing your sport year round. You could always be crafting your sport, and it's so neat to see these uh, these college ball teams kind of 
break out on their own. Um, but but that's what's so unique about Northern California sports. Like you look at the San Francisco Giants and the Niners. They're always cheering each other on. They'll show up to each other's games and stuff. I'd like to see that in the college ball as well. I mean, that's just uh, that's just a neat thing to see that, um, you know, everybody's pulling everybody along and it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of camaraderie there. Man, Jenny, I've had so much fun having you on the show. It's been a while. I'm glad you were able to come back and just talk California sports with me today. And good luck. Go Niners. I will really definitely be excited if they beat the Cowboys. And uh, definitely will love to have you back on. Love to the Niners. Let's go. Let's have a great game. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to chat with you. All right. That was my former Dinfo's colleague, Jenny Fisher broadcasting military a broadcaster extraordinaire graduated from the defense information school of fort meade maryland which fun fact wrbl's rex castillo also graduated from denfos so uh definitely uh once a denfos train killer always a denfos train killer you bet i was <laughs> having a little fun jenny all right hope everybody <laughs> has a great rest of your weekend Enjoy all the games, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.